the road to recovery. You might be cruising down it. A friend or family member lost on it. Or the road is, well, still under construction. Relevant Recovery Radio is about getting to that destination of normal health, mind, or strength. Now, Relevant Recovery Radio, here to give you the keys, Larry Weedy Kind. Hello, welcome to our show today. I'm your host, Heather Mosier. I'm happy to be here. You're listening to KPRC AM 950. And we're also on the iHeartRadio app for free. You can download and listen to all our previous podcasts. But this is Relevant Recovery Radio. I'm representing Matthew's Help. We are a unique 10 to 14 day detox inside St. Joseph's Hospital in downtown Houston. Uh, If you want any information about the detox, you can go to matthewshope.org. Let's just jump right into our show and we'll talk about some really cool things today. So I got two guests on my show today. First guest, my husband, Donnie. He's always here. I'm back. He follows me everywhere. I can't get rid of this guy. (laughs) (laughs) And the other guest I have is our friend Ryan. Welcome, Ryan. Hello. Thank you for having me. Ryan Mattingly. He's a good friend of ours and uh, very interesting guy because I thought he would be great to have on the show today for a multitude of reasons. So let's just jump right into it. Ryan, I get to watch you in your recovery. And so I want to just kind of talk first about your journey into finding recovery how did you even know you needed recovery oh man it's so, so such a young age yeah too. how old are you now <laughs> right now i'm 27 i turned 28 on october 12th so and when did you get sober i got sober in 2014 so when i was 20 years wow. old. wow that's pretty young yeah, yeah. i was a baby before <laughs> how, i could did legally you know? drink how did you know at such a young age um it wasn't that i knew it, it was just that it was like kind of it just happened. Mm. Like I realized there was just like this surrender and emotional death really that brought it about. At 20? Um, at 20. hundred <laughs> percent. Right. Um, Did it start off that way? Like how old were you when you started drinking or doing drugs? I, I, I started doing drugs before I started drinking. Okay. Mm. That's um, interesting. And yeah, that it, it came about because I had gotten cast as Macbeth in a play. Okay. And my friend was like, that's a lot of lines to memorize. Here's some Adderall. Ah. <laughs> and let me tell you, when I took that, I was like, I want this every day for the rest of my life. Yep. The first one I took, yep. I was like, I just wanted an entire, an infinite bag of them. Yeah. That I would never, I could just have them and it'd be okay. And how old were you when that happened? 16. 16. And you learned your lines in about seven minutes. Uh, no, I, I learned them in about a couple of weeks, actually. Did you really? Um, yeah. Did the um, play go good? The play went really well. And there was actually a specific moment during the play where, you know, I was like, I was taking them as prescribed, but not actually because I wasn't prescribed them. Right? <laughs> <laughs> um, it was someone else's yeah, prescription. Yeah, someone else. Been I there. give them my lunch money every week, and yeah. they give me their oh, prescription. So um, but there was a point where I was like, it was kind of wearing off, and I was like, I shouldn't take two in a day. Mm-hmm. And then I was like, I'm going to take two in a day, 100%. <laughs> yeah. Like, I knew that was the precipice, and from that moment, I was like, ooh, I think I might have an issue. Never heard of any other recovery program at that point. Um, Just got on a ride. It felt good. Let's go. Exactly. For me, 100%. when I first got hooked on, on opiates, and you're kind of describing uh, a similar feeling, I felt okay in my own skin. Yep. 100%. For the first time in my life, when, when I would take, you know, an opiate or, you know, drugs or alcohol, what it did inside is it made me feel 
like what I thought normal people felt like. A hundred percent. That is exact. Because I I was raised in like I felt dumb and I felt I was told I was unorganized, like I wasn't mm-hmm. good enough, my grades weren't good enough, that sort of thing. But I took this. And suddenly I was passionate. I was clean. Mm, artistic. Um, I was alive. artistic. I was talkative. People wanted to be my friend. And yep. I I was just filled with this vicariousness that I hadn't had previously. You were suddenly the guy that you always wanted to be, that yep. you saw in other people, but 100%. had no way of becoming without that product. Yes. Yeah. It really relieved my social anxiety, you know, because yes. I was always really uncomfortable socially and feeling like I didn't fit in and stuff. So did that happen with you, too, where Absolutely. you felt a part of? Exactly, because I, I went from the dark ages of middle school mm-hmm. into high school where I'm taking this this drug, and suddenly I'm on a whole nother plane of living. Mm-hmm. Like, I'm part of instead of separated from. And at that time, you're performing well, mm-hmm. uh, probably academically and theater. My grades increased. <laughs> Yeah. Uh, respect parents, from did they parents. Suspect, in, suspect anything? No, not really. Mm-hmm. Um, because it wasn't out of hand at that point. Right. They're like, oh, wow, that's great. Ryan got his what PhD if, in four months. Whatever yeah, you're the, doing, Ryan, keep doing he's it. He's lost all this weight. <laughs> like, it's, it's uh, crazy. Yeah. yeah. Um, and then I got drug tested oh, at my yeah. high school. Okay. Because I went to uh, all boys high school. Mm-hmm. And um, I was like, well, I got to fess up. I got to, I got to, oh, no. like, I got to fess up. So I told my parents that I'd been taking this this drug and partying on the weekends and whatnot, and they were just beside themselves and like they were it, like they were upset, like they were really sad. So they called my uncle who was in a recovery program, and he came and he took me to a meeting. Oh uh, uh, yeah. How old? Are, and so you're still in high school. At I'm this point. 17 at this point, and oh, I saw wow. some of my teachers from school at this oh, meeting, wow. which is weird. Dude. Oh, I would have totally blackmailed th- them. You still have three more. Three more years before you're going to get Three more years okay. before I get sober. Okay. And so you go to this meeting with your uncle, and what did you think of it? I thought it was really weird. <laughs> yeah. um, at that time, like, you know, I wasn't taking the drug anymore at, for a period of time, so my vicariousness was kind of falling away. Yeah. You're shrinking um, back into... Yeah. Um, into this shell of uncomfortableness. Right. Then you got to go to a meeting and be around people and social anxiety is back. Exactly. This doesn't sound good at all. <laughs> exactly. And I shared at the first meeting, actually. Oh, wow. And I was like, uh, guys, actually, uh, my thing is like Adderall. Like, I don't have a problem with alcohol. <laughs> alcohol. <laughs> like, I don't know if I belong here. Or and <laughs> and they like, keep coming back. <laughs> yeah, yeah. A guy approached me and he was like, look, man, I've been exactly where you're at. Oh, good. Um, there's these things called the steps and there's this book. Mm. If you're ready. So somebody took you seriously at 100%, 17. 100%. Oh, that's so fantastic. And someone made you feel, uh, to the best of their ability, a part of and welcome. Yes. Because, I mean, that's the thing is that, so I'm a garden variety drunk. Mm-hmm. It took me almost 30 years to get to a point of I need help. Um, but I think that drugs get you there much quicker. I think Usually. I could, yeah, I could go on drinking for a long time. It's legal. It's somewhat manageable at a point, right? But I think drugs just get you there so much faster. That's always the most common delusion, I think, from uh, helping people get sober and from working in a detox. The the common thing that I see is people that are just alcohol only stay in the delusion that they do not have a problem, you know, much longer than drug addicts. Yeah. You know, you find that's true too? Absolutely. Um, It was just so potent. And when combined with other drugs and also alcohol. Yep, I get that. It was just like, pew, down the hill. Well, don't go anywhere. We'll be right back, and we're talking to Ryan and Donnie, and we don't go anywhere. We'll be right back on Relevant Recovery Radio.
Welcome back to Relevant Recovery Radio. I'm your host, Heather Mosier. My guest today is Donnie Mosier and Ryan Mattingly, and we are talking about things relevant to recovery. Our friend here, Ryan, he got sober really young, 20. Yeah. Yeah, I can't yeah. even imagine walking into a, a meeting, a 12-step meeting at 17 years old. Yeah, I, I, I was forced to go there from mm-hmm. parents. The funny thing is about that drug test that I mentioned, I didn't even test positive for anything. So you came clean for I, nothing. I came clean for nothing. Right? <laughs> oh, I know. Yeah. And I stayed sober for like 90 days. Do you see the hand of God doing for you, which you could not do for yourself? Looking back, yes. Yes. Yes, I you did. You know, it's, it's funny. I just said I couldn't imagine walking to an AA meeting at 17. Mm-hmm. I sort of walked in at 15 and a half because, yeah, I got assigned to a lockdown daycare unit uh, <laughs> yeah. for about a year. You went to rehab for a year at 15 for That's marijuana. And then, 15 and a half. Well, you know, I drank too. Yeah. yeah. And then when the insurance ran out, you, I was you were clean. good. You're I was good. like, oh, yeah. you're good. 100%. You're good. They're not going to pay us anymore. Get out. It's <laughs> that, that weird insurance treatment center thing in the 80s, you know? It's but I'm hanging out with NAA meetings with all kids. That's So the part I can't real, recognize or, or I can't like fathom is being a kid with a room full of adults. Yeah. It would have been know. overwhelming, was it for you? It wasn't overwhelming. Um but fast fast forwarding. Yeah. Like so I stayed sober for like ninety days or so yeah. working with this this guy who approached me, right? And we did first three steps and whatnot, and then I was going to college. Yeah. And I was like, I I, I got a little more a little more in me. Yeah. Like, like I can't stop before yeah. college. You need A's in me? college, too. Exactly. 100%. <laughs> it's like, I'm going to move to the beach next month. I'm going to stop swimming forever now. Yeah. Yeah. And college was finding my uh, my drug that I needed. Yeah. And also partying every other day. Okay. Um, so when you say partying, because that's going to be different than the Adderall, you started to add in other substances right. at this point. Uh, smoking weed, hallucinogens. Ooh. Mushrooms, acid. Uh, uh, do you think that that's common? Uh, I did not go to college, and Donnie didn't either. Oh, do you think no, that? No, that... I went to colleges. No, you were. <laughs> you were I partied at you Southwest were Texas. Escorted off the property I, by oh, authorities. Yeah, sure. I'm talking about people actually academically enrolled. enrolled. Oh, okay, I didn't do that. I think it's part of. Yeah, I think it's part of the college culture. At least in my experience. Um, there's this whole idea of liberation and whatnot, especially as like being a younger kid. Like I'm you're free. finally, yeah, you're like, I need to experience. I I want a new experience, right? And those drugs can offer it to you. Yeah, like absolutely. Um. So when did drugs and alcohol start to become painful, and and you were aware of that they were problematic? I was around 19 years old. Um, so it's a two-year escalation. Yeah, yeah, man. Like combining combining like amphetamines and alcohol and everything else, like it just. Make, Spiraled quick. Oh my gosh! You can drink so much longer on amphetamines. <laughs> I, I know. True story. I'm aware, and yeah. uh, I think the idea of not eating, coupled with um, drinking a lot and taking copious amounts of <laughs> Vyvanse and Adderall, like yeah, it culminated into this whole whole uh, event of me having a mental break. Yeah, mm. and. Why you um, see that? Because when, when that was actually the first thing I ever abused, I was much late, uh, later in life. I was uh, 29, 30, 30 mm-hmm. once more on there with the Adderall that got added into my cocktail. But that was the first thing I ever abused and didn't know why, didn't know what was different about me. But 
I dove into this dark rabbit hole uh, emotionally, yeah. uh, in internally, just conspiracy theories, researching yeah. conspiracy theories and, and weird things. Complete I, self-obsession. Yeah. But what's weird is that I was so into it. I was taking th- those drugs and I was also taking something called fentermine, hmm. which is That's a, a weight diet. loss. Yeah. yeah, it's a My weight loss drug. Mm-hmm. Um, and those combined, man, like I was on this weird kick. Like I was, I was uh, going to uh, church okay. like every day. Okay. I was trying to become this like hardcore Catholic or something. It was really <laughs> weird, man. You think you were just trying to find something, something to yeah. hold on to? Do you think at the same time though that this is the point where you were really losing touch with reality? Absolutely, perception 100%. shattered. Yeah, but it's funny how we will. I, I too was a doctor. Now I was much older when I was a doctor, but I had been <laughs> never a doctor. I had been put on uh, antidepressants because mm-hmm. I was depressed. Life was rough, uh, and then I found Adderall. And I lied to doctors to get all of this, right? Yeah. I, although I say I lied, I, I don't know what was going on, right? I just knew something was wrong, right? But I'm on an antidepressant that takes me down, an Adderall that takes me up, and my body's just like I, I don't know what to do here, yeah. Yeah. and I'm just always adjusting the cocktail, yeah. right? But it culminated ultimately into this idea that I was uh, holy and this supreme being, like complete, completely not. You Brian, became you, the Messiah. You, yes. You thought I, you were Jesus for a minute? I thought I was Jesus for a minute. <laughs> How fantastic. thought I had failed the world. Let me oh. ask you, though, were you able to work miracles of any sort? Not that I recall. Did you I'm, try, though? Um, I, yeah, I did. Yes. I definitely did. That would uh, be there so great. Some, some, um, but I... <laughs> I, that day where I had that realization, th- you know, things were talking to me and whatnot, and I, I actually went to class mm-hmm. at college, and I, like, stood up on a chair, and I was like, I am not okay. And I, like, ran out of the classroom, oh, like, wow. crying. Um, and my friend, he approached me, he's like, dude, are you, is everything all right? I was <laughs> like, nothing is okay. I need help. And I was escorted um, with the police on campus to... Um, That's fantastic. A psych, a psych ward. A psych ward. Yeah. Um, so you went to your on first the, on Easter weekend. On, no, yeah. Wait a minute. Okay. They took the Messiah <laughs> yeah. to a psych ward one on Easter, Easter weekend. Evidently, they didn't know. They who you did were. not know who they were dealing and with. Every story you've heard about psych wards, completely true. Yeah. Like the people like rocking in their chair, like eating their shirt. Like it. It was. It was an experience. And for some reason, when I sat down in that psych ward, um, coming down from these delusions, amphetamine psychosis, some sort of d- information was like put into me. I don't know what it was. Looking back, I f- believe it was God. Uh, it was like, you need to go back to AA or there's nothing left. Mm-hmm. And you just, you heard it audibly. You felt it. You were like, I'm going to do this. Okay. I I never got put in a mental health facility, but my mom has multiple times. And when I went up there to make amends to my mom, she was in a psych ward and and all of the pictures of the people that are really far gone uh, were all around her. And it was a really uncomfortable yet beautiful place to, you know, make a true amends to my mom. But but those places are difficult because a lot of people that deal with substance abuse disorder end up in those places Mm -hmm. due to drug psychosis and, and just periods of time where you're broken from reality. Absolutely. Yeah. So, okay, so we went from 17, going to a meeting with full of adults, we go to college, we go on a landslide, <laughs> right? Like complete He becomes plummet. Jesus and goes I'm to... I'm going to try all the drugs. Yeah. Not just one or two, all right. of them. And, and it, so now you're at 19 with a f- complete psychotic break. Yeah. And so at that so, point, did you... Well, I'd like to point out... Huh 
that Ryan is not good at drugs. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, this this is apparent that he was not made for this. Yeah. I would say that there's maybe a stack of evidence, Ryan. There is. <laughs> there is. Definitely yeah. a stack of evidence. Okay, so cool. So so this is 19 when that happened to you. Yep. And so you decided what? That you something was wrong. I need help. What did that look like? Um, I, I knew that guy mm-hmm. from that meeting mm. from when I was 17. I went back home to Houston because I was in Austin at the time, and I contacted him, and I was like, I don't know what you know, but I tried. It doesn't work. So <laughs> show me what you do. When you said you tried, that means you went, but you didn't work all 12 steps. Correct. And then you said it didn't work. Correct. Yep. I was like, I tried some steps, <laughs> then I went back out and tried my own Ryan steps. Ryan's program. Ryan's program. And it ended, culminated in, you know, me losing my mind. Yeah. So... Mm. So you I, called that same guy, and he was like, "Cool." He was, help, yeah. He's like, you. "I'll help you." I help you. I'll be. It would be an honor too. Oh. Isn't it amazing that and, we go from people that are so self-centered and so um, just self-important to, like, when I'm self and full of self, I'm not helping anybody. And the entire idea of getting well is getting out of that and into other people completely. Yeah. How beautiful. So did you work the 12 steps with that guy? I did. He took he t- I was lucky enough to be taken through them really quickly with him. Yeah. He was like, I'm about throwing the steps at you and just <laughs> we're hoping something sticks. And with that great. point, it sounds like you were desperate and willing enough to do that. Yeah, I had I it was an emotional death. I really had nothing left. Right. I get it. I was so scared. Well, let's go to a quick break. We'll be right back. I want to keep talking about what that experience looked like with Ryan and Donnie. Don't go anywhere. You're Where do listening. you work again? I, I work at yeah. Matthew's Hope. It's a detox <laughs> inside St. Joseph's downtown. The website is www.matthewshope.org. We'll be right back. Don't go anywhere. To Relevant Recovery Radio. You're listening with Heather Mosher. This is KPRC AM 950. We're also on the iHeartRadio app. Download it for free today. So my guests today, Donnie and Ryan, and up to this point in the story, Ryan decided he wasn't Jesus, <laughs> and he instead wants some help in a program of recovery, and he goes and gets this guy. But that if ha- you were, <laughs> what would what, you have done? If he was Jesus? Yeah. I mean, have you ever thought about that? <laughs> no. I'm turning all the water into whiskey. <laughs> Like, wow. Yeah, 100%. That's yeah. what I would have done. Absolutely. So I love that you say that you uh, called the same guy from years prior, mm-hmm. and he uh, was excited to hear from you. He was. He was very excited. And he took you under his wing and, and worked these steps with you very quickly. Yeah, and there was a thing he highlighted about about working the steps really quickly. He was like, as a young man, like we, in society, we don't have um, rites of passage, really, where we like in America, right? Mm-hmm. Um, doing these steps and um, becoming a tool to be able to like help other people is that rite of passage that mm. um, his sponsor brought to him yeah. and that he brought to me. It's kind of like a spiritual apprenticeship. Yeah. Now you're you're, tw- you're twenty. Did you have mm-hmm. those thoughts of well, I'm, I'm too gonna young. Be, I'm going to be twenty one where I can legally drink? Did you have any of those thoughts? I did. Like in the first couple weeks. Um, but I was so focused on like a psychotic break has a motivational factor. Yeah, <laughs> um, and I think that was the part of the you know the addiction cycle. That was the part of getting off that cycle where I was just enough willing mm-hmm. to 
Um, I was in so much fear and desperation that I was just enough willing to be able to hear something else from someone else and have mm. a little bit more light shine through. Oh, that's fantastic. So what did you take away from, let's talk about your experience and maybe a couple of different steps. What did yeah. you take away from when you're new, you're 20 years old, what did you understand about step one? Oh, man. I knew that I had issues with drugs and alcohol and that I thought drugs and alcohol was the thing. Mm-hmm. Like, I didn't realize that it was my way, like, my way of thinking and myself that was actually, like, had the issue. That was my epiphany, too. When I was new uh, into getting sober, I realized that I did not have a heroin problem. Mm -hmm. I had a Heather problem. Yeah. It was like... Heroin didn't help. Heroin didn't help, (laughs) Heather. I I thought it did. I thought it made me comfortable in my own skin. I guarantee it didn't. I've seen glimpses. So, coming in, were you uh, super spiritual as non-Jesus? What did you think around steps two and three? Um, I... I really came in and I did not give a crap. Okay. Like I was just like, help me, whatever. Did like, you have a conception of God back then? Kind of. Yeah. I was creator of the universe. Um, you said you grew up Catholic. I did. I did. Gr- so you had some influences yeah, from I that. Had some influences from that. So you were. <laughs> listen, I only know two kinds of Catholics. Oh no. Yeah. The kind that absolutely rejects the entire faith because mm-hmm. they were so forced to do it as a yeah. kid, and the kind that rejects the entire faith because they were so forced to do it as a kid. Like, which one were you? Um, it was actually more like, eh, I don't care. Yeah. Like, yeah. Just, just sort of neutral to it all. Just sort of neutral so to it. So you didn't all. have a big hang up on that I didn't. then. I oh, that's did not. That's awesome. All right. Yeah. So, uh, four step inventory. What was that like? What is inventory anyway? Um, Writing down all my resentments, fears, and my uh, sex inventory as well. Um, everyone, when I first came in, everyone always made it this like huge thing, like, "Oh, dude, I'm stuck on my four step. Like, <laughs> I've been on it for like five months. I've it's been crazy. on my four step for 17 years. <laughs> I think I'm gonna do oh, it no. tomorrow, though." Yeah, and my sponsor, he was just like, "Just do it as best you can, as fast mm-hmm. as you can." How long did it take you to do your first four step, if you remember? I did it in a period of. I, I really did it in two days, honestly. That's awesome. But, Once you sat down and wrote. Right. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> I was going to say, it took mine, me two weeks or so. I think I did um, mine in one day, but it was a period of two weeks to get to that one day. Yeah. But it was all this stuff like built up. Like I just had to vomit Once, it out. Yeah. 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 So then you do uh, your first honest fist step. Oh, man. I still remember it. How long was it? Um, it was about four or five hours. Decent. Decent. Did How did you feel after a fist step? Um, do you remember? Like a weight was lifted off my shoulders. I remember driving and listening to some music, and I was just like, "Man, these trees look really nice." Like <laughs> the I, leaves are green. I felt at ease, but you so see he... color in a different way. Yeah, I've never heard anybody say that, but that's so. I mean, I saw grass and trees and sunsets that I didn't even know existed. Right? They were they were somehow. Br- it's a weird thing, right? So you many hear... people do have that experience. Yeah. Uh, well, it's like it's like wearing sunglasses for so long and then this step off. takes them off, right? That is a great way to yeah. say it. It's, and it sounds like some, you know, sappy, romantic <laughs> movie, like, oh, everything's bright. But I mean, truly. It, it was a new experience. Yeah, the world got brighter for me. And that kind of rocketed me into going home yeah. and looking at all these defects, right? That's what I was going to say, because that, cause I did not have the, oh my God, the the clouds are whiter and the sky is bluer after my fist up. Like, it was the gravity maybe of how flawed inside I was, mm. and I was really sad. Um, 
at who I was. Right. Not in a self-deprecating or hating way, but but it in just like that fear that 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 understanding really catapulted me to continue with the process. Mm. You know. So you get your defects of character. Did you think they're all wrong and that wasn't you, or were you like, ah, oh, crap, that's me? No, like he he'd point them out, and I'd be like. Yeah, yeah, hundred percent, hundred percent. That's yeah. You're right. You're right. You're Mine right. wasn't too hard to get over. Mine was like two things. It was like way too kind. Oh, you're lying. And no, no, and humble. <laughs> and humble. It was. You were. He was saying you were the opposite of those two things. No, no, no. It's just uh, way too. He's, I don't even know how you're an you, alcoholic. You touch, on, you touch on humility, and that was a, a big thing. Is because like, I I wasn't someone who saw myself as better than everyone. Right. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I saw myself as less than everyone. Mm, the reversal of pride. Right. Or the reverse pride. Negative self-ego. Right. Yeah. And it's just, it's still not being humble. It's still just as damaging. Right. I'm not right-sized. Yep. It's still self. It's still yeah. obsession. Yeah. That's why my first sponsor explained to me. is like there's this idea uh, where a lot of us have either delusions of grandiosity mm-hmm. and or with an inferiority complex. I'm always way smarter or way better or you don't like me at all and you're waiting for me to leave and you're relieved that I'm not around anymore. There's, and it's, but all of it's all just of it. self-obsession. Self it's just obsession. thinking of me in every which way. How do you see me? How do you think of me? Well, what does he think of me? How do right. they, you know? I know they're judging right. me, right? Mm-hmm. It's just me, 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 me. 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 Yeah. Right. That was the gravity of my re- my realization around it. You too? Absolutely. It took me 100%. a long time to realize that that's really what the steps are there to do. The 12 steps are there to break down my ego. Self-obsession. Yeah. Mm-hmm. You guys want to talk a little more about me? Or? No. Oh, yeah, right. Yeah. <laughs> that's what I was thinking. Just checking. <laughs> but I feel like that's really cool. So, so then you you launch out on this process of cleaning up the wreckage of your past. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. What was what was your first amends? Do you remember the first one? I, I went for the hardest one first. Okay. Because I was on fire. I was like, I need to get this done. And man, the first one, it was like, it was so small, but it was so embarrassing. Okay. And I had stolen drugs from a family friend that was visiting in town. And by the way she was acting, I was like, I bet she has Adderall. Like a hundred percent. Like I could, I could, I could smell it. I could like, and I, I went into her room and I stole it. And, um, it's really embarrassing. Um, and I made that amends over How the much phone. fear did you build up going into that amends? A huge amount. Yeah. We yes. always make Were you it obsessed so much with how it's going to go and how she's going to react? I actually wasn't concerned with the outcome. I just knew I had to do it. Mm. So it was the, the act of actually being humble and admitting yeah. it face-to-face. Right. Did you do it face-to-face? You did it over the phone? You Wait, think? I did it over the phone because okay. she was in California. Okay. And how did she receive it? How did it go? She was really surprised. Um, and now, did she know you took it? She did not. Oh, I thought she did. Oh, um, she was really surprised. Um, and she was family friend. She was like, I just want you to, um, continue the program you're on and mm-hmm. do what you need to be doing. She just wants the best for you. Yes. Yeah. How cool. So, so you got the, you ripped the bandaid off. Right. You got the hardest yeah. one done first. And How'd you feel of, after? Um, relieved um, and shaky. I was really shaky. <laughs> yeah. Uh, yeah but like it was really most of my amends were <clears throat> um, making amends for stealing or <laughs> taking things that were not mine. Yeah. Um, yeah. Um, a lot of emotional amends too f- towards my family, family. as well. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Did you have any really awesome, like one that just sticks out as like your favorite amends or your hardest amends or your most profound? Um. I think the one to um, my my mom 
and my dad were pretty profound. But also the ones, the one that to my um, partner at the time, mm-hmm. um, because I went into the psych ward and she was like, oh, I thought we were moving in together. Oh. <laughs> and like she stayed with me for some reason. And now at this time you were Jesus. Was she was she a real? follower of Jesus, Donnie. She, yeah, she was a follower of me. <laughs> and she was real. Yeah, she yeah, was, yeah. Okay, okay. <laughs> I mean, you got to check. You yeah. got to check. I would say that immense to her was the most uh, uh, profound, I think, because I realized the the scope of the damage yeah. I had done. I was like, I That's did this. And she was like, actually. She gave you good feedback. She was like, this. actually, here's what really happened. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Well, how amazing. Do you feel like you had some spiritual juice as a result of that process? 100%. Cool. No no doubt. From doing the uh, third step on onward. Because you had that taste of freedom. Yeah. yeah. You wanted more. That true freedom. I, I peeked through the keyhole. I love it. All right, so don't go anywhere. We'll be right back. You're listening to Relevant Recovery Radio. Welcome back. You're listening to Relevant Recovery Radio. I'm your host, Heather Mosier. I'm the recovery support team lead and alumni coordinator for the detox called Matthew's Hope inside St. Joseph's downtown. If you or a loved one is struggling with drug addiction or alcoholism, please give us a call at 844-263-4673. So welcome back, guys. We're kind of talking about your experience getting sober at 20. (laughs) Yeah. Or get some steps at 20, but you were on fire for it. You were excited. You were craving this process. I had no other, like, I had no other solution. Nope. Um, Right. Like, it was, that was all there was. What what, what were you saying? No. (laughs) (laughs) I just think that it's important to to portray that it's not the end of the world for someone to get sober at 20. Oh, no. Um, Do you feel like you missed out on anything? Um, you ever have those thoughts? So like, here's here. I remember my 21st birthday. Okay. Um, I had worked the steps by then. Mm-hmm. Um, and my my birthday falls on the same birthday as my niece, and so for my 21st birthday, I went to like this Chuck E. Cheese place, <laughs> oh. and I celebrated with her. And I I didn't even think about drinking. Yeah. Um, I, it wasn't even like a an issue in my mind. Mm-hmm. And. I've worked with sponsees and whatnot where they're like, man, my, my 21st birthday is yeah. coming up. Like, mm-hmm. I just, like, I'm so scared about it. I'm like, dude, we just got to get you. Like, So you were just done. I was there done. There was no looking back. Like, your experience was enough that you didn't need any more convincing at this point. Right. You didn't need to. I think it's really cool to hear because it's really encouraging. I've definitely helped some people really young get sober, and I, I was 34 when I got sober. But... That's not young. I know. That's what I'm saying. <laughs> oh, okay. Thanks for the reminder. You. Just helping you. <laughs> I, I'm real stubborn, and I and it took me a long time to figure out that drugs and alcohol was not the best solution to being Heather. Mm-hmm. You know, and I think that what Ryan got to experience was a different spiritual solution to his internal problem. Without and it was amazing. Yeah, I was beat into such a state of reasonableness that I I had to, mm-hmm. like it was that scary. Yeah. for me like that what's it, what's it like being 27 years old and like what is that eight and years sober, sober? Yeah. because here's where my mind goes because what i remember is being 41 and getting sober that's definitely not young it's um well i'm like wine i get better as i <laughs> age so but as you're when you're at that age you have thoughts like how am i gonna barbecue again without yeah. drinking how am i gonna i mean you have bad thoughts like how am i gonna drive again I, without I had, drinking? i had those <laughs> I, ha- <laughs> I had those a lot earlier on i was like 
man, like, what if I want to have like a glass of wine when I'm like 40 or something? Yeah. Like, yeah. we're watching Netflix or something. Yeah. And, um, that's when, you know, someone would always say like, just take it one day at a time, man. That's, so you that's find literally. that at 27, you're not, you just don't feel not, left out. You don't out. feel you like don't you're feel missing like out. I don't feel like I'm missing out. So question, so I know that you got to marry a very beautiful, awesome lady. Yes. Was it last year? Semi-recently. Uh, 2019, pre-COVID. Okay. That was the year we got married. That'll be yeah. easy to remember now. Yeah. And she's normal. Self. She's a normie. She's, yeah. a normie. she's not, you know, drug or alcohol, I guess. Yep. Did y'all serve alcohol at your wedding? We did. We did. And did you go relapse and was your, were you crazy? I did not. I had <laughs> a, like a apple juice apple, cider, apple yeah. juice apple juice okay for, you know when you like cross hands and like you drink through each other's hands or whatever <laughs> um yeah and it was just fine and she like, don't mess up don't give me your glass <laughs> yeah no she had apple juice too oh so she wanted to be uh supportive cool. yeah how cool <laughs> but, so but, you sorry go ahead it doesn't like even if she wanted to it doesn't matter like, right it that's the point i wanted to doesn't make affect me is that someone what i find is someone who's truly living a different spiritual way of life a less self-centered way of life that even when you're in those instances where you're around drugs or alcohol mm-hmm. um you're not quote triggered by it right it doesn't precipitate you into this relapse just because you're around the proximity of alcohol right. like like you enjoy your... now if i'm around someone who's sm- uh, snorting cocaine i probably shouldn't be in that <laughs> Right. Generally speaking. Generally. And I hear it doesn't smell the same anymore either. <laughs> <laughs> so it's like, it's so bad. Um, I mean, you know, you have to learn things like don't anyways, crush your pills. Just take them Johnny. So anyways, the, the whole point is what I'm trying to help our audience There was no trigger. See. There was none. You yeah. uh, were placed in a position of neutrality. You were enjoying life. 100%. So at your seven years sober, eight years sober? Um, you're going to turn eight, though. I'm turn eight in... In April. And then Donnie's eight. I knew y'all were close. Yeah. And so... What I, where I think we're headed is that when you came in, you kind of just had no conception. You didn't care. Yep. Like, God, no big deal. Cool. Yep. Neutral. When Heather came in, she was an overbearing, self-righteous Christian, <laughs> right? Definitely. And, and when I came in, I was an overbearing, self-righteous atheist. atheist. Right? But in, the, in this walk, uh, this journey of sobriety, she's mellowed, right? And, and, and become more accepting of kind of everything around her. Yeah. Same, right? I've mellowed and become more accepting of everything around me. And then I became a Christian mm-hmm. in, in my sobriety, which is really weird for somebody who argued against it for 20 years. What is your, <laughs> what does your walk look like in the last seven years? Oh, man. It's, it's so much to... Loaded question. Yeah, it's such yeah. a big question. <laughs> like, uh, so, so I got through the steps, right? And I was like helping people a little bit, but I stopped really. I, I would be like, yeah, I just raised my hand in the meetings and uh-huh. whatnot. And like, that's all I really needed to do. I just needed to kind of show up and be useful or whatever. Um, it wasn't until I was faced with like a sort of crisis around year four or five where I was like, am I an alcoholic and drug addict? Like, I, I don't remember if I am or not. Um, yeah, time had passed. Time had passed. It was that four to five year mark. Was it just situational? So you had a... Um, a fear of maybe or a thought. I maybe I'm not really. An well, alcoholic. I think what it, it is too it, is you get away from the drink. You get away the from the mental obsession creeping back in. Perfect. Ah, because you weren't helping people. Correct. Okay. Hundred percent. So okay. what do you have to do about it? Um, I reached out and I was like, I need to rework the steps or do something, anything <laughs> but help other people. Um, <laughs> and so. Uh, so what you're saying is self obsession returned full self-obsession force. Self obsession returned full yeah. force, twofold. Yeah. I'd say, and it was even more um, strong than it had previously been and what what sucks is that i had so many friends that i had gotten sober with around 20 and by four years in 
maybe half of them were still around. Right. Mm. And by a couple more years, very little were still like around. Maybe like two or three. And now all the people I got sober with, like, I think there's there's about one mm-hmm. that's still sober. That's this still day. sober. Wow. But you got into enough pain at that point to do some some spiritual work about it and not drink. It was grace, dude. Like I don't I don't know. Grace, yeah. I don't know. Like I think it was pain. I don't. I'm a lucky one, I think. I don't know what it is because I see so many people my age that, like, it, they don't get it. Like, yeah. it doesn't stick. And yeah. it, I'm like, man, I, I don't know what happened with me. But um, when I reworked the steps with my next sponsor, he was like, okay, you are now uniquely capable of helping out other people that are like you. Not only drug addicts and alcoholics, but people that are young mm-hmm. um, and people that have experienced what you have experienced. Yeah. You're a unique soldier. Mm-hmm. That's what I think is beautiful about it because, like, uh, you're very interesting. Not only are you artistic and 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 all of this, but like you're in a real life barbershop quartet. Yeah, I'm in a quartet, and I'm also <laughs> in a chorus. It's barbershop chorus. We're called okay. um, Space City Sound. Okay, is so it on Facebook or Twitter? If you want to check out our website, it can d- direct you to the Facebook. Okay, um, it's spacecitysound.org. Okay. Um, four-part harmony chorus but how cool is that it's super cool i, I mean <laughs> that was something i always wanted to, to do when i i was using like i wanted to be in a barbershop thing and i thought it was super nerdy so as a performer in a quartet how rampant is drug usage in that uh, I mean, industry just like anywhere else i think it's any entertainment yeah. uh, pocket of artists it's, it's not like uh, i just imagine like quartet strippers cocaine no I mean, just... definitely not oh that's only at uh, international competitions. Oh, okay. <laughs> yeah, it gets weird at those competitions but so you're 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 in this this place in sobriety mm-hmm. where you've been sober alcohol and drugs are not the problem anymore right the, the obsession has really returned, mm-hmm. right? Self and everything else. And you need a deeper understanding of God. Right. And then and then he did, and he had some some experience with God from what I understand. Where are you at today? Um, it, was, uh, it was towards Christianity. I was curious because I was wanting to expand my uh, relationship with God because whatever I, I was doing, it didn't feel full. Mm. Yeah. Okay. Um, it was there, but it didn't feel accessible. Um. And there was a realization while I was driving home one day because I was so full of fear and anxiety and pain. Um, I had an overwhelming feeling that whatever I was trying to do to convince others to like me, mm-hmm. I had already been given that um, approval and love by God. Mm. And I was like, oh, I can get everything from him. Oh, wow. What a beautiful story. Guys, thank you for being on the show with me today. I've thoroughly yeah. enjoyed it. Thank you for having what me. a miracle I think we all three are, and, and I'm just grateful for God's grace in all of our lives. Thank you for listening. You've been listening to Relevant Recovery Radio. We're on the iHeart Radio app, and we're on KPR, KPRC AM 8, 950. I'm just screwing that all up. <laughs> <laughs> thank you for listening. <laughs>